Okay, well, we all love a story. Do you all love a story? We all love a story? Okay, so I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you part of a story. And uh, what we need to do is identify the story and tell me how does this story begin and how does it end? Okay, so how does the story begin and how does it end? So this is the, this is the first one. Uh, I thank you, Theoden King, said Gandalf. Little clue. <laughs> then suddenly he threw back his grey cloak and cast aside his hat and leapt to horseback. He wore no helm nor mail. His snowy hair flew free in the wind. His white robe shone dazzling in the sun. Behold, the white rider, cried Aragorn. And all took up the words. Our king and the white rider, they shouted. Forth, Erlingus. The trumpet sounded. The horses reared and neighed. Spear clashed on shield. Then the king raised his hand. And with a rush like the sudden onset of a great wind... The last host of Rohan rode thundering into the west. So what's the story? Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Uh, so how does this story begin? As in the, the, the beginning of the beginning of the story. The whole thing. How does the whole thing begin? What's the beginning of the story of the Lord of the Rings? With the rain. Sauron crafted the ring. Was Sauron a good guy or a bad guy? He was a bad guy. He was a bad guy. So the story starts with this sort of darkness spreading over the land. How does the story end? With the return of the king. What happens to the ring? The ring that's at the centre of the story, what happens to it? Where does it have to go? Destroyed. It has to be destroyed in the mountain where it was first Forge. So it's a story that begins with darkness covering the land, and it's a story that ends with the return of a king. Okay, next story. Uh, Edmund, meanwhile, had been having a most disappointing time. When the dwarf had gone to get the sledge ready, he expected that the witch would start being nice to him, as she had been at their last meeting. But she said nothing at all. And when at last Edmund plucked up his courage to say, Please, your majesty, could I have some Turkish delight? You, you, you said. She answered, silence, fool. Then she appeared to change her mind and said as if to herself, and yet it will not do to have the brat fainting on the way. And once more clapped her hands. So what's the story? Lion, Witch and Ordre. So how does the story begin? Children in London, and then what happens? They get evacuated, and then what happens? Speed it up a little bit. We haven't got all day. They find a wardrobe, and they go through. And what do they find when they go through the wardrobe? They find Narnia, and what's happening in Narnia? Winter. It's an eternal winter. There's, there's darkness over the land. And then what happens? How does the story end? Aslan. Aslan. A king comes and uh, has to offer himself as a sacrifice. Okay, next story. Uh, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. 
I will set out and go back to my father. So, what's the story? Prodigal son? Wrong. Prodigal father. Hate. It's not the prodigal son. It's not about the prodigal son. He has two sons. It's about the prodigal father. But you're right, ish. So, how does the story begin? A little, little controversial, just through a little bit of theological, like to throw in a bit of theological controversy. So, anyway, how does the story begin? The son wants his inheritance. So what does he do? He does. He tells his father. That was a very nice action there. It was like. <laughs> tells his father he wishes he was dead. And he leaves. And then what happens at the end? <laughs> he does. He wastes it all. And then what happens at the end of the story? He says, I'm going to go home. What happens at the end? His father celebrates him with a hug and a feast. So the point is... It's really important to know the whole story rather than just one part of it. And one of the things that we sometimes do at Christmas is we zone in on one part of a much bigger story. And we zone in on this stable with the characters and the wise men and the shepherds. And we just, that's the bit that we think about. But actually we need to understand what the whole story is and how the bit that we've read makes Sense in the context of the whole story. So I want to think a little bit about, well, how does this story begin and how might it end? And um, to illustrate that, I need uh, some helpers who are good at wrapping presents. Is anyone good at, anyone like boys, would you, are you any good at wrapping presents? Would you like to come and, Ollie, do you want to come and help wrap a present? <laughs> you're, looking, you're looking stunned, Fred, Fred and Gabe. Fred and Gabe, do you want to come? Okay. So, uh, Fred, which one do you want to wrap? Uh, which one do you want to wrap? I'll try this one. Try that one. Okay, Gabe, you can try that one. Okay, so I'm going to give you only about... Ooh, I'll be generous. I'm going to give you about 45 seconds to wrap the present. So you've got all the paper that you need and you've got to completely cover the box, okay? So you can start uh, now. You can start now, okay? And you've got about 45 seconds. You've got to wrap the box so that none of the box is still showing... By the time you've finished, okay? So I don't want any box to be left. You've got to wrap it up so that none of the box is left. Is left. You've got to wrap it all up. So there we go. How are we going, Gabe? Okay, you've got to wrap it up so I can't see. I can't. Okay, so you've got to try and you've got to try and cover it so it looks like it's all looks like it's all wrapped. Is this what happens at home? Want to get your hopes? Want to get your hopes up for Christmas? Are you, are you finished, Gabe? Are you, are you sure you're finished? Okay, just come up that end. So we've got to make sure it's all it's all covered. Oh dearie me! This isn't my best work. Are you sure? It's not your best work. Are you really sure about that? Don't hold don't hold back on the sellotape. Use as much as you like. I didn't even stick anything. Find someone else to wrap the presents if I were you. Yeah, excellent. Okay, fantastic. Well done. Thank you very much for the applause. Okay, let's just have a little look. Let's just have a little look. So, um, okay, so well, it's a good effort. There's quite a lot of box still showing. Yeah, but they can't see it. It's like... Okay. 
I like your excuse. I know. Spectacular. It is covered. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, it is covered. You can't. You can't see the box. It is. Is that a little bit there? Yeah. Well, we'll. I think. For the purposes of the illustration, we'll say it's fully covered. So there we go. So um, so good effort. But this is where our story begins. Do you remember our first reading from Genesis? Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden in this perfect relationship with God. This perfect relationship of love that they had with God. The story tells us that Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. This beautiful place that God had created for them. And they, they walked with him. They were friends. They had this amazing relationship until the point at which Adam and Eve decided they could do life better. They could do life better without God. They didn't need him. This temptation was put in their way and they, and they fell for it. They did the one thing, the only thing that God had asked them not to do. They, they did it. And do you remember what happened in the story as soon as Adam and Eve make that mistake, they suddenly realise that they are they're naked. They suddenly feel ashamed of what they've done. They suddenly feel guilty. And this lovely relationship that they've had with God is instantly broken. Because when they hear God walking in the garden, they try to hide themselves. And this beautiful relationship that we were created for is is broken and they run off and they try and hide themselves and they have as much success as they did in wrapping his presents. They found what they could and did the best that they could, but actually they, they just couldn't do a very good job with what they had available. And the reality is for us, well, we're like that because we all know what it is to do things wrong. We have a conscience and we all carry with us through this life, the, the guilt and the shame of knowing that we've done things wrong. And what we do is we try and cover up as best we can. So we present our best selves. So looking around the room, I'm looking at a bunch of very nice people. Well, yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, nice smile, Fred. I'm looking at, despite the smile, I am still looking at a bunch of very nice people. But I know we're all frauds. No, we're, we're not nearly as nice as we make out ourselves to be. We all know that we've done stuff that we would be very ashamed of anybody else finding out about. But we don't know how to cover it up. So we just hide it and we present the best that we can and we pretend. But did you notice the end of that reading from Genesis, what God did? God made a covering for Adam and Eve. They weren't very good at covering themselves. They couldn't find what they needed. But God covered them. And how did he cover them? He covered them with skin coverings. So he covered them by having to make a sacrifice. An animal had to be sacrificed in order for Adam and Eve to be covered in the way that they needed to be. And right there is the clue to how the rest of the story is going to play out. Our second reading was from, from Exodus, this great story of the people of God being delivered from slavery in Egypt to freedom in the promised land. And how were they set free through the offering of a sacrificial lamb? 
the lamb that was sacrificed in order that they might be free. Jesus said that we are slaves to sin. Anyone who sins is a slave to sin. We too need delivering. And so the story goes on in our reading from Isaiah. There's this promise that people walking in darkness will see a great light. People walking in darkness will see a great light. That's how this part of our story fits in, that Jesus, the light of the world, is born, comes into the world as as the king, as the wonderful counsellor, as the one who is Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He's the one who comes and isn't just born in a stable and left there to grab up a man. You know, 30 years later, there's not, there's not a grown man still lying in the stable. This baby grew up to be a man who became the once and for all sacrifice, the sacrifice that was pointed to in the Old Testament, the sacrifice that uh, Exodus speaks about of this lamb being offered so that the people could be delivered from slavery to freedom. Jesus comes as the once and for all sacrifice and dies on a cross. The beginning of John's gospel, John says that to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. As simple as that, to all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Paul, in his letter to the Galatians, he writes about what Jesus has done to set us free. God sent his son, the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, dear Father, Daddy, that's the relationship that we're invited back into. So you are no longer a slave, Paul says, but a son, but a daughter. Lovely. Bit louder? That's good. It'll get on the recording then. So you are no longer a slave, but a son and a daughter. God has made you also an heir. The son in the story of the prodigal father goes home expecting, anticipating that he might be able to crawl his way back in as a slave. And the father says, no, you're my son. You were lost and now you are found. And that's the love that God has for us. And that's why he sent his son, Jesus Christ. And that's why his son willingly died on a cross in our place for us to pay a penalty that we could never pay so that we might be set free from sin and be an heir to eternal life. The Bible says we are co-heirs with Jesus. Everything that the Father gives to his son Jesus, he gives to us. In the last book of the Bible, there's a very famous verse in the book of Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20, where Jesus is speaking in a, in a vision to the Apostle John and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, And opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door, I will come in to them and eat with them. Do you remember our little uh, very exciting drama that we had a few moments ago? And uh, who turned out to be the most important character in the nativity story was, was the footnote. The door holder. The door holder. The one who opened the door of the stable and let Jesus in. 
And that is really where our story is supposed to finish and where it may finish if that's the ending that we will go to. It begins, as the other stories that I read did, with a great darkness covering the land, a great darkness covering our lives when we're slaves to sin. But in his love, God sent his son Jesus to allow a door to be opened. And Jesus is always knocking on the door of our lives, knocking on the door of our hearts, waiting for us to open the door, to be like the door holder, to open the door and let Jesus in. And in the moment that we do that, then the story has its ending for us. But it's not an ending. Because as uh, the children in the story of the lion and the witch and the wardrobe found, when they pushed through the wardrobe door, it wasn't the end. It was the beginning of a whole new world that they never imagined was possible. And that's what happens when we invite Jesus into our lives. We discover a whole world that we never dreamt was possible. So my hope and prayer for each one of us this Christmas as we focus on this small part of the story is that we'll remember the whole story, where it began and where it might end and that we might open the door and welcome Jesus in. So let's pause and pray for a moment together. And perhaps